Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Steiner, with my delightfully talented co-host, Nina <laughs> Kumosita. Hey, Nina. That one's a new one. Why, thank you, Jacqueline. Hello. <laughs> I'm trying to get creative, everyone. <laughs> so I first want to start off by thanking everyone who has left us a review on iTunes or has liked or shared our podcast or has recently joined our Facebook community. If you have not done it yet, please stop right now and do us a favor. We are, it's a big ask, but please, please, please go on and either share our, part, our podcast with anyone you think could really benefit from it. Please leave reviews or press those stars, however many stars you think we deserve, and <laughs> head on over to our uh, show notes to join our Facebook community where we can continue the conversation over there. Yeah, there's always something, anything that you could do. I actually have tried to leave reviews. I don't know what the deal is. iTunes is hating on me and it doesn't work a lot of times and I can only put in the stars. I can't actually type in something. It doesn't show up. But otherwise, I just like will share that person's um, podcast episode. I've shared a gazillion with you, I feel like. So there's always a little bit of something that you can help pull us up in the charts in iTunes and give us an increased ranking. Yeah, literally there's messages back and forth between Mina and I have just like share this podcast, listen to this podcast. <laughs> and I said it to my clients as well. Like if I listen to like Amy Porterfield and there's like an amazing uh, episode about marketing or SEO, I forward those on. So your support will help us grow and grow our community and we thank you for it in advance. So to jump in, today we are talking about money mindset. So dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so ominous. Right? Money mindset. It could be positive money mindset or negative money mindset. Nonetheless, we all have a mindset around this. So our thoughts, our beliefs, our patterns. And so I really wanted to talk about this because I actually have a pretty like negative uh, opinion about money in different ways. And Mina has a very opposite one. And so we've, we've, find strength in each other because we're able to support each other also like in the way that we are really like Mina's, <laughs> Mina's my sounding board often <laughs> but just for everyone to know like we all struggle with it so no matter how successful you are or wherever you get to in your careers there are definitely mindset struggles that you have and today's topic will be about money yeah money 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 so money, if you feel money. uncomfortable with us saying that that's step one is just be okay with, you know, because a lot of times when you even hear people say the word money, 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 it gives you like this uncomfortable feeling, right? And uh, Jacqueline's looking like she's uncomfortable right now. I can see her on Zoom. <laughs> I'm actually not uncomfortable talking about money, but I, I, I get how that is because I actually don't have issues talking about it. Mm-hmm. At all, whether it's positive or negative. Because but you people- love to talk though. <laughs> oh, is that it? Plus all your hearts and my hairdresser. (laughs) 
Yeah. I think that with people that keep it in, you know, I think that they're just naturally like it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about because of other people. I'm only uncomfortable because I don't know how other people will react to me being too comfortable with money. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we talk about this all the time in our community because there are only certain people can you share your wins or your setbacks. So you could have like a hundred thousand dollar day where you've sold Uber, like so many things and you've had all this money and you can't like knock on your neighbor's door or talk to your best friend and be like, guess what? Today I sold so much and I made so much money. You can't say that. Or for example, you go to a trade show and maybe you're not making the sales that you're hoping to make and you spent all the money on travel and the booth and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I think I just lost 10 grand today. Makes you want to throw up. <laughs> and who do you tell? And if you have a significant other that maybe isn't in the business with you or doesn't understand, they're looking at you like you did what? You know, if they're a part of your business um, or even like they have a say in it. And so there's these places that to celebrate the joys or to be picked up out of like the, the darkness of it all. Um, that's why we have our community or if you can find yourself even a biz bestie where you can actually talk in real numbers. Yeah. And so what Jacqueline was talking about too, is that we have very opposite views on money and we can still talk about it very openly and we help each other, you know, kind of muddle through some difficult money scenarios sometimes. So Jacqueline, do you want to start with what your view of money is or do you want me to start? Um, I can start. So we're both daughters of immigrants, basically. So I'm first generation American. Were you born here? You were, right? Yeah, I was born here. Yeah. So I'm like born and raised. <laughs> Where Shut am up. I? Shut I'm up. a family girl born and raised. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> so we're both daughters of immigrants. So we were both brought here and, or not brought here, but our, our parents came here. So I'll talk, I'll talk about my family. So, um, basically back in the seventies, I think it was, you know, you came here for better opportunities still and always. And so I grew up with an entrepreneurial uh, dad, let's say. Actually, my grandpa, my mom's uh, father, he owned a chain of supermarkets in London. And then there was um, a huge recession and like a crash. And so he basically kind of, his business fell out and he decided to move his family to America and start anew. And he could, he could start anew and he could end up in another type of business. And so I always knew my grandpa to have sort of, you know, real professional jobs, um, whether he worked in real estate or in insurance or whatever it was. Meanwhile, I have my dad who was working from the time that he was like 13 years old and I think drove like big rig trucks around um, Israel and then, you know, came here and he sort of like made the life that he made. And so the thing I will tell you that I learned on the positive side is that there's no, there's no like cap at the amount you can earn. So if you're able to work hard for it, you can you can move yourself into another class, basically into like another tax bracket. There's no amount that you can't make, basically. And so for me, I always knew when I went out on my own and I had my own business, it was like, yeah, I can make money. I just have to figure out how to make money and I can do it, which not everyone has that opinion because I came from like a very entrepreneurial family. But I also came from a... <laughs> an entrepreneurial family with that it was there were a lot of ups and downs. And so it was there were like major, major highs and major, major lows. And so we were not consistent. And especially I'm the oldest of five kids. And so when I was younger, we moved a lot. We were getting evicted out of houses, like so much drama as a young person. And so I saw it as like a lot of risk and scarcity 
basically. So a big thing my mom used to do, which I realized has affected me. So side note, if any of you ever want to get me a present, don't buy me gift cards (laughs) because (laughs) I'm a gift card hoarder. So I'm afraid I'm going to run out of money. And so I hold on to these gift cards in case I'm ever going to like that worst case scenario that I'm going to have this, these gift cards just in case I need the money then. Side note, I have from five years ago, I have gift cards to Toys R Us. Guess what I can do with those? Nothing. Because Toys R Us has gone out of business. I have gift cards from the Right Start, yet another kid's place. What can I do with those? Nothing. They have also gone out of business. So... <laughs> Mina's like face is shocked, but I can't even, I can't, but this is like a major, this is a major issue I have because I deal with scarcity. And even though I feel like there's endless possibilities, I'm also constantly afraid that it's just the bottom's going to drop out that there's that it's going to all of a sudden one day I might be like homeless and without food and having to move into my in-laws houses, even though that's never been the case. So I literally work every day on changing my mindset, trying to shift it into positive, like a positive mindset. And you know, that the universe is always like sending money my way and like everything's going to be fine because it always has. Like I don't actually in my own adult life have proof of it being otherwise. Like in my own adult life, I've always just earned more and hit the goals I wanted to hit and always done well. But then those things that that happen to you when you're a kid, they're really mess you up as an adult. So I, what I do to sort of like counteract that, just sort of share my tips is I hired a coach. Like I have a business coach and coaches are different than consultants. So as a consultant for my clients, I'm an expert in, let's say, fashion, fashion design, fashion development, you know, starting a clothing line. But a coach definitely can deal with mindset in your business. The mindset individualist, it's a little bit like therapy and business coaching. So I hired a coach. I found myself a biz bestie that I can actually talk to I mean, really, I found myself a friend, but a friend that I relate to in business, which is Nina. And so that's someone that like, (laughs) that I can box her if I feel like I'm having a crappy day and say, hey, this is how I feel. And she's able to sort of send that positivity or say like, there is no proof that the worst case scenario is going to happen. I've worked on it in therapy. My husband and I have been together for so long now that he knows how to kind of talk back to me or usually he can like help guide me along in that brain or in that mindset. And then the other thing that I was also told by um, like Natalie Eckdahl from BizChicks is she has the five-minute journal. And so I've been working on that, which really helps with gratitude, setting intentions, and what would make my day great. And so really just trying to stay in the positive instead of being fearful of the worst case scenario happening. So that is my story in a nutshell. So I have a very similar story, but I operate from abundance rather than scarcity. So my grandparents came over in the 70s as well as 1975, and he spoke French, and um, he communicated with the people of the church because he spoke French. There was a woman that at Methodist Church that sponsored us and brought our family over. So I was born in the States, though, so I was of the first generation. So my grandpa actually, if you're older, they would line you up with jobs. And so my grandpa was the custodian for the church. And so we grew up in the church, myself and my sister, who are only a year apart. My grandpa would take us to church every Sunday. We would help him clean the church. And so we'd pick up the messengers and we'd play hide and seek. And it was just like, you know, but my grandpa was very 
prestigious. He was like of importance back in the motherland is what I call it. And um, he fought for the French, spoke French. He always had a handkerchief in his pocket. He would arrive to our school events and always have on one of those golf hats. He was just very put together. And so I never associated jobs with someone who was like low on the totem pole or something like being a custodian. And so I always, my grandparents and parents always would, their biggest criticism of us would be that you're going to end up in the factory next to me. Like to them, factory workers were people who had no education, people who had no choice. And they would say, do you want to end up in the factory? You know how many times I heard that growing up? Do you want to end up in the factory? You better get a straight A. Like they wanted straight A's out of us for sure. Were, you, was your, were your parents in the factory? Yes. Uh-huh. So my parents yeah. worked in the factory and so did all the other immigrants unless they were older and then they'd be like easy jobs, like a custodian or something. Um, and then if they were young enough, they'd be put into the school system, which a lot of them were not young enough. Like my dad came over and he was like 19. And so, you know, growing up, they always pushed education. And so anytime we heard about rich people, it was like the best life. Like my dad would always say, nothing is free. And he would say, you, if you want to have an easy life, you need to be rich. And then so we'd look at these people like they were like had the easiest life ever if they were rich. And so I always held rich people on like a totem pole. And so I always thought it, as long as I got an education, I will have an abundance of money. And my parents always taught us that um, you are a dummy. They would actually call us stupid. You are stupid if you waste this opportunity. Basically, they left a country, didn't know the language, didn't know anything, and they were even able to get jobs and make money, right? So with us growing up, they're like, we have every opportunity in the world. We have the education. We have the resources. It's our own stupidity if we waste it away. And they, that is exactly how they would say it to us. So my whole life, I thought, I'm not going to be a dummy. I'm going to use every single opportunity I can. And that's in everything. Like I never, even when I was a waitress, I made tons of tips. Like I was just really good at like leveraging every single opportunity that I had to really make the most money that I could. So even now, like I just think, you know, if this doesn't work out, I can just move to another thing that makes me money. And so I think that having that, people nowadays call it putting it into the universe. And then that might be rightfully so. Like I might just be putting into the universe, oh, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just get another job. And I find this can be really annoying to hear from people because they're just like, she obviously doesn't know how hard life is. Oh, I know how hard life is. I just don't care if I have to become a waitress in order to you know, keep myself going until I find an opportunity that I can use my education for. Like I already have the education, I already have the means, I have the opportunity, I'm the stupid one if I can't figure it out. And so it is this world of abundance where I can just make, you know, that's why I'm such a lover of multiple platforms and multiple streams of revenue, because I feel like there's so many opportunities out there that are limitless. But the thing that people get hung up, hung up on, I think a lot of times is that they think that others are judging them in their failures. Whereas for me, if I try something and it doesn't work out, I'm like, oh, well, moving on to the next thing, you know, just another opportunity. And I don't feel judged when it comes to money. And I think that that is huge. A lot of mindset stuff for people comes in the feeling judged by others. And so like, for instance, um, like I'll have people say something like, must be nice, must be nice to do that. And then you know what my response is? I never said it wasn't. 
I never said it wasn't, you know, <laughs> like, like, you know, don't hate on me because I'm enjoying life because I worked really hard to get this money. And not that I think that money brings you happiness. I do think it makes life easier. I mean, parents were right. Those rich people have the easy life. You know, if they, <laughs> if they know how to use their money to like do things that make them happy for me, it's just spending more time with my family, doing what I want and not feeling guilty about it. And I'm not like throwing dollar bills at people or anything like that. Come on, you know, like I'm just not letting people feel bad about how I spend my money. Well, yeah, I think the way that you, you value that. And the thing about you and I, I think no matter what is, I think we were both very entrepreneurial as young people. Yeah. And so we just get kicks out of working. Like we love mm-hmm. it. We love coming up with ideas and concepting. Mina and I listened to this other podcast and she called me and she's like, what are we going to launch on Amazon? We need this other product to do on Amazon. <laughs> and if we decided that that was going to be our goal, we would make it happen because I think the, the, the cool thing, the benefit is, is that we know that we can make things happen, like make magic happen, just sort of make it happen. But the interesting thing is, is I know that, but how scared I get about losing it, that I feel like there's like going to be some sort of hole in the bucket and lose it. Versus Mina does not have a hole, but she sees like it overflowing. So I think that you're a very good gang to my gang or my gang to my gang, whatever it is. Like, I think that we're, it's a good thing and that we're constantly learning and, and, and changing and shifting and growing. And let's say in therapy or something, if you were working on one subject and you felt like that was resolved, other things are going to pop up. And so for me, I'm probably the most successful I've ever been in my business and my career and I still have these fears. And so it's a really good time to look at it because it's not, it's not reflected by what's actually happening in real life. Right? Yeah. So, so for all of you that are starting these businesses, one thing I tend to tell my fashion clients is that I just say, what are you going to look back at and regret? So if you, I mean, some people don't regret, but I guess like if you got to the end of your life and you looked back and said, God, I had that idea. I wish I just tried it. Try it. As long as it doesn't, you know, I, the, and it could be my, my mindset. So when I listen back to this, I'll hear myself, but I say like, if it's not going to, you know, you don't have to take out a second mortgage on your house to do this, or, you know, you can still feed your kids and like meet your needs. And this is, you've got money to more or less gamble with, try it. It may work. It may not work. We're trying to provide this community to sort of support people and shortcut some mistakes and things like that. But it's, it's something that, you know, you can try because you can always make more money, right? And that's kind of the, I think the thing that brings me and I together is that we have that awareness. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that there needs to be some sort of balance for sure. A lot of times Jacqueline will say something about a difficult client and I'll say, you should totally drop them. (laughs) And so she obviously does not need that person. Like me being like, oh, you know, there's no money out there that's worth someone stressing you out. So I'm not the only person she talks to because I can't be the only person. Like she needs other, like she needs to talk to her husband, probably another coach. Like, you know, because I don't have all the answers either. These are just different mindsets, right? And different decisions. She has to do what's right for her. It's like what we tell our mastermind clients, we are okay. Like we absolutely have no attachment to any sort of coaching we give you because only you know what's right for you. And that's with money and that's with comfort level of it. And that's with risking it and feeling okay with losing it, you know? So we have no sort of attachment like 
to it. I try to give Jacqueline the best advice I can, but she knows that I operate in a certain way where scarcity is something that I'm not scared of. I think that can be difficult too. Like, I think it's difficult if you take 100% advice from somebody who doesn't operate from the same mindset that you do, you know? But luckily, she's aware of probably gauging what I'm going to say. (laughs) But there's there's something fantastic about that though, because that ability to like let something go, because I do let things pile up. And so the ability to be like, you know, this doesn't work for me and that it's okay to let it go. So that's a huge thing that I'm dealing with versus Mina, like you have a waste of soap and you feel like you haven't put into it as much as possible. And you would be fine with just sort of like losing the investment, for example, like you're like, well, you know, maybe I won't pursue it. (laughs) And you're okay with that sort of like that loss because not loss, but that you would figure out the next thing to do, like the next product, that sort of thing. And meanwhile, I'm like, no, 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 like, try this. It's great. I'm probably going to buy 800 bars because I love it so much. <laughs> well, let's hope you do. That will clean out my inventory. I'm literally I'm traveling with it right now through Texas. <laughs> I put it back in the box and it's with me. <laughs> yeah. I, I went into Oasis knowing how much money I was comfortable with losing and it actually was more money than it's actually at right now. So like right now, I am focusing on my health because I didn't expect to have headaches after the flood. And I there's no amount of money, especially that amount of money that I was willing to lose that I will be like, oh, I'm going to stress myself out because I need to focus on Oasis. Um, So I think that right now um, I'm focusing on the house because of the flood. Like I get so annoyed of myself talking about the flood. I can't imagine you hearing it, you know, like, and the listeners too. But I still call it the great flood of 2018. (laughs) Yeah. It just shifted everything and it just overwhelmed me. It was, you know, it basically took the place of like the enjoyment I was doing for other things. And so like I, I was at that mindset too of, you know, being like, you know what, I, I'm okay with losing that money that I put into Oasis because I was okay from it in the beginning already. You know, I'm not going to go chase, you know, $10,000 to make, you know, 12,000. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not worth my time then. But, you know, right now with school starting and, and everything like that, I'm getting back into the mode where I kind of feel it lifting, the overwhelm lifting and kind of getting back into where, Hey, I'm on board with Oasis again. I mean, this is the this is the entrepreneurial life, right? Like it just depends on the day, like how you're feeling and how much motivation and energy you want to be giving to something. And um it's just all about making the decisions for that day, I guess. And it's okay to pivot or stop or put a uh-huh. pause or put a pin in it. Like again, like in our masterminds, we've had people do all sorts of things. Like we've had people like just like supercharged forward, you know, propel into this like whole new place and their businesses have boomed. We've had people who have made the decision that they, that they're going to stop their business, that they were able to kind of work it out and realize, you know what, this is not right for me. I'm either going to stop in general or focus on something else, or maybe start something else that I've been leaning towards. We've had people pivot and shift or say, Hey, I've got a ton of stuff. What am I going to do with this? I want to get rid of it. And, you know, we even have a client that did product and service and she's like, you know, I'm putting a pause on the product and I'm shifting back to service because service works really well for me. So there's so many ways and options and opportunities and changes that we all make. And it's just sort of trying to stay positive and living with gratitude. So um, I appreciate you all listening to me because, you know, I also, I need that support sometimes getting through 
my days and my years and, and um, the businesses that I've created. So let me ask you something. Do you think that our money mindsets will change as we get older into, or do you think it's a generation thing because we're both Zennials, you know? Like, I wonder how much that plays a part into, because we, we grew up in analog and then now we're moving to digital and we're trying to figure that out on how we can make money. And I think a lot of times when you transition to, you know, like us analog to digital, you see more opportunities than the normal person that's always had that around them. Or do you think that we're just in that stage of life because our kids are young that we're thinking about money and hustling and multitasking and all that stuff? Well, I do think that we're in a different place because if there's some younger people, like, I don't know what's, what are below millennials? On um, Gen Z, is that right? Or Gen, yeah. Yeah. So for example, like Oprah's like, all these people are, I listen to an Oprah episode, she's like, everybody's focused on how many likes and how they're going to be an influencer, but what are they influencing? Or what have you done to become an influencer? So just because you took a course, you know how to sell well on Instagram or whatever it is, what, what are your life lessons? So I think the cool thing about where we're at is that when we're older, not older, but like, you know, we're in our, wherever we are, <laughs> but wherever we are, we've been through a lot, we've had experiences, we've worked, we've had our careers, we've started raising children, we've had our own businesses for several years now. Um, and we've had these experiences. So we do have something to take and push forward versus people who are maybe starting businesses with the idea of fame first. So mm-hmm. I used to work for a celebrity and um, it was during the time that all these celebrities were selling their businesses or like Juicy Couture was bought out, you know? And so I had clients come through my door that were like, I want to start this business with the, for the purpose of selling it off, right? Their goal of starting it was that they wanted to sell it to a bigger company. But those aren't the companies that sell. The companies that sell are the ones that are like built off like the blood, sweat, tears off the backs of the... Um, the business owner that has done it all and has really put into this business and built it, built it, built it. And it turns into such an incredible brand that it can be sold. Um, and so I think it's that intention that you set behind it. For me, I'll tell you that I'm very conscious of this. And so I'm very conscious of like, I still have so many years ahead of me that I have, that I can change my mindset or like every time something happens, like if a pain in the, we call them pitas. <laughs> <laughs> Pain in the arse, uh, <laughs> which I've actually let go of a few. But like, even in the very, very beginning, if I see someone, I'm like, oh, that person's going to be a PETA. And if any of my clients are listening, none of you are because I've shifted my business to be the type of people I want to work with. But if you see that, then you can be like, you know what? I'm not even going to pursue that type of business. Or if someone was not like aligning with your goals or whatever it was, like to let them go. So that's a big shift for me. But that money will come and I don't have to let go of my boundaries. And I see this even with the day that I'm actually struggling with it. So, yeah. And I think that it's become more common for women to be self-made, you know? And so we're of this whole new movement of really high achieving. You said to yourself that you're having the highest income of your life, right? Uh, same, you know, and same with a lot of people that we hang out with. I mean, it's like, there's more people that are surrounding themselves with people that can push them to the next level. And that was never the case before. You know, I'm maybe it's social media, maybe it's these communities we're building. Maybe it's because we're podcasters, you know, and where those people are gravitating towards us. So it could be so many, such a number of different things. But I think that everybody has their own idea of money 
for sure. And it can either hold you back or it can help you. Um, but I think that the number one step is being able to talk about it. You know, like, like Jacqueline and myself, we have completely different ideas of money and those are still being molded. Like that's not set, you know, I hope to never feel like I'm, you know, not abundant, but you know, there's definitely days that I feel that way. Um, I think that a person that helps me balance it out is my husband because I'm never really thinking about retirement or leaving a legacy for my kids. And he's the one that sets that all up for me. And then all I have to do is make more money. I've never been a budgeter. I've never been a saver. This just not in my wheelhouse of strengths. Like if I want to buy something, I just simply make more money to get to that point. I don't save up to it. And it's, you know, there's different ways for people to, to get something that they want. And you know, it's just, that's how I approach a problem. So, um, I think that really makes a big difference too. I think that's what we're both very like aligned on is that I want to redo my kitchen and Samina and I were talking about it and it's like, no, like in my head, I'm like, I just have to make more. Like I just have to do X, Y, Z. And then I can sort of like put that money back towards my kitchen, for example. Um, so I think that's like really amazing. And you bring up your husband before we did this podcast, I was sharing with Mina, like my husband works for the purpose that he loves what he does as an artist and he would work for free. So money is not a driving force in his life in any way. Like you give him a good job, I guess to all you casting directors, if you want to cast him for free, I think he'd be willing to do the job for free. (laughs) How's he going to eat and feed those kids? Mama over here. Mama's got it handled. Mama's got it. Um, I'm a self-made sugar mama. No, um, no, no. But like, it's really, it's really interesting because where he was raised, he was not raised to be concerned about it. He was raised where his family, like his parent, he was allowed to be a kid and he didn't have to worry about it. And his parents did very well. And they fully supported him in like his career and what he needed to do. And he always felt safe. So that's a big deal too. Like I lived without a safety net and he always felt like he had a safety net. And so that transition mindset, like that he always feels like we've got a safety net. Like if worst case scenario, my, you know, he's got a family that feels like they would care for us. So it is just really interesting in the, the goals, what all of our goals are. So one thing for everybody to think about or to talk about is if you do have a spouse to start, if you can, you know, bring up some, bring up some of these money things because there's a lot of resentment that, that gets put out there. I know people, you know, that have been selling like they're an MLM marketing type stuff and, you know, husbands are upset that like the wife has bought into all of this product and can't sell it. You know, so there has to be, there has to be discussions where everybody can kind of, that's your first person, like your partner, your spouse, um, maybe your roommate, if your stuff is encroaching on them. Um, but that's the first place to kind of start and see like where you guys stand with your your money mindset and about you know the support that you need or the balance that you need to get through it. Yeah, for sure. And then what you pass on to your kids. I'm terrified that I am raising entitled kids that don't understand money or struggle because I just I don't have a budget for them. Like I don't live in that budget mode. So, but I feel like it's necessary for them to learn it. So that might be something that I learn to do for the sake of my kids, you know? Like every time you go to Target not to buy them something because my kids literally think that Target is where we go every time to get a toy. I'm like, no. 
Uh, my daughter thought money was coming from the cashier because I would get cash back, <laughs> not that we were giving her money. And then I t- told her about banks and I was like, how does that money get in there? Like, you know, I wanted her to say, you work for it. But she was like, from the president? And I was like, no, <laughs> not the president. Like, obviously, like there's this gap there that I'm not teaching her. <laughs> So eventually, I mean, probably this year, I I went to, you know, there's people that take their kids to the bank and, you know, teach them about how to do that and teach them, you know, how to save. I know there's parents that like if their kids are of driving age, they make their kid earn whatever amount and they'll, they'll match what they earn so then they can get the car that they want instead of just getting them the car that they want. Or um, even in college, I mean, was your college paid for? By your parents uh, or your rent no, or anything? I, they definitely helped me. I took out loans and then paid uh-huh. them off pretty quickly because I hate debt. Yeah. I still have school debt, but just remember I have my MBA from a private school. Um, so right. it's not a really like a low percentage, but um, I mean, that's what it was just very normal. We actually qualified for a ton of stuff because my parents didn't make a lot of money. So the loans and stuff were just like in addition, you know, to help pay rent. But I don't know. I felt that was very common and um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, for a school loan, like it, that's all we have. But I'm just saying like, um, I get why people pay things off. It's just your comfort level. But for me, it doesn't make sense for me to pay 2% you know, loan versus investing in something that's giving you back 4% or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but that's, you know, so their own. <laughs> so if you end up in our community, I'm going to just shout out to Taya Thompson, who was on the podcast, but she's actually like a certified financial planner in her past life prior to becoming a product boss that rocks it. And so if anyone has questions, she actually was chatting with Mina and I about like the things she does in her family for her kids. But I think that depending on the age of your kid, there's only so much they can conceptually grasp, right? So like my son who's five, it's really hard for him to understand like giving away or not like the concept just isn't there, you know, or you have money in the bank and you can't spend it because he did a commercial when he was younger. So he actually had like a little bit of money. And, um, he's like, Oh, I could buy this and I could buy that and I could buy this. And I was like, that's where I've gone wrong. That he thinks that money is just to buy things with versus the intent to save or to give away. So that's where I'm going to start trying to transition for that. But I will say one thing he gets upset with, and that's the mom guilt and the mom balance is it's like, mom, do you have to work again today? You know, like, and by the way, guys, this is probably like coming off of three or four days home with my kids. This is a preface or something right here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not like mom works at home. Like I get to work at home now. That's how I built my life. Like, a beautiful office in my basement. That's where I get to go. I no longer have to drive an hour and a half commute each way to downtown LA to my office. So he has no idea. He has no idea like the time I spent away when he was younger. And so, you know, and I don't necessarily want to come back to him and say, well, mom has to work for money to pay for our house or whatever. Cause it also creates a weird money mindset. So I tell him like, I enjoy my work. I said to him, I was like, you like to do Lego, right? Do you love doing Lego? Yeah, I love Lego. I'm like, I love working. That's why mommy works, you know, so that he can see that like, I love it. And yeah, the benefit is, is like, by the way, Oliver, if someone were to pay you to do Lego, wouldn't that be awesome? And it's kind of that same idea. So I think, you know, that's <laughs> the opposite. I always say that. Yeah. I always say I have to work so I can make money to pay for stuff. And this is mama's work too, because the way that for a long time, they didn't see it as me working. It was like their dad had a job and I hung out at home and did stuff on the computer. Like I basically had to fight for that right to be 
described as working. And so, and contributing and having to do a responsible thing of putting in my hours. And so, I mean, my daughter was so confused by it at first. Low labels is your work? And even before that, when she started conceptualizing like around, you know, um, Oliver's age, it took her a long time to be like, oh, low labels gives you money. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I say to Oliver. I was like, mommy tells people what to do. Does mommy tell people what to do? Yeah. Well, people actually pay mommy to tell them what to do. Yeah. So I'm always like, I have to work so I can get money. And that's mama's job. Just like how daddy goes to the pharmacist sometimes, you know, to the pharmacy and works. Walmart is paying him. (laughs) (laughs) But our kids are also so, so fortunate. So like, this is probably another podcast episode, but the fact that their moms are CEO level, like we talked Mm -hmm. about this too, this when we were passed together where people are like, what do you do? And they have no idea the level of what we do in our families or what we contribute to our families. That's nice for like, you know, kind of that like for you, bless your heart, you precious <laughs> little thing. And it's like, no, no, like we employ people, like people's livelihoods are based off of this. Like people's dreams are fulfilled. Like all these things that are so, you know, we have our own little mini impact in our own little micro world. So, um, but it is interesting actually, like how your mindset's different and like what you push towards your kids and, and where I don't want my kids to feel um, the stress of money, which is what I grew up with, like a lot of stress around it. So that's really interesting. Like, I that want was- them to feel that. <laughs> and I, I want them to feel the struggle because I want them to know that life is not easy where you can just take out your debit card and, you know, they didn't even know where money was coming from. Like they obviously have no idea. But that's, so that's okay. So like moving on to our, our kids being kids of CEO moms and like uh-huh. royal moms is like, like your kids are in your business with you, right? Like they yeah. help you talk. Like they, they're aware of this stuff. Like they're growing up in this product, um, this product world. And same with my kids. Like Oliver really wants when we get back to build a lemonade stand and he wants to go sell lemonade on our street. James <laughs> and like, you well, like, do it. Yeah. And James is like, nobody's going to stop by. And I'm like, heck yeah, we're going to do it. I sold lip gloss. I painted faces. Like I did all sorts of things. So, but what I am going to try and teach him is like, okay, you can earn this money. And this is what we pulled from Taya. This is what you're going to, this is what you're going to save towards and have a goal. This is like for spending for random, like, oh, you want that random candy in the checkout aisle. Okay. You can spend your own money. And this is what we're going to give away. And it doesn't have to be a lot, but there are people less fortunate. And so the idea that you can always earn money for whatever you need, which I think aligns with both of us. Um, but you have to, you know, eventually you have to work for this. Like you have to do chores or do whatever to work for what you got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably wouldn't do a lemonade stand because then I'd have to sell people probably. <laughs> and I love it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be super like, Oh, five hours <laughs> or five cents. No, thank you. Um, so so I'd probably be like, no, how about we do something else for money? <laughs> You're like, let's get you a YouTube channel and you can, you can yeah. talk these on YouTube. <laughs> let's get you a podcast and yeah. you'll find a sponsor. You know, like I'd rather do that. <laughs> but there is something precious that's on our summer bucket list. So, you know, I mean, like, I think this is interesting for our listeners, even us, like what we're discovering about each other right now, like just how we are individually, um, probably how we are as wives and how we are as moms for our kids. And then I think, there's always adjustments and changes to be made and each kid's different. Like Oliver like will have a mental breakdown when I, when I told him he can't get his money out of the bank, but that's to be saved for when he's older, literally like as if I punched him in the gut, like 
<laughs> your child. Your Me, child. exactly. Mental breakdown. Willa, I'll give you these Toys R Us cards. <laughs> Willa, by the way, is like, do, 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 so positive, like her dad. And so it's really interesting in the bit. Someone once told me like, what better mom for my son than someone who understands how he feels that I could like react differently or help him through that because I get what he's, I get his struggles. (laughs) Yeah. So many different roles. I'm excellent being CEO. Being a mom though is quite hard for me Yeah, um, because I don't know the decisions you know, like you can put money into an ad and see if it's working. You can put money into your kid and you're like, what the hell? I don't know. (laughs) You don't end up in jail. (laughs) You having too much of an easy life. Like I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I know kids are, and that's a hard struggle for me too is like, can't control them. Like there are these things outside of you that you just, you can't control the results of it exactly like versus in our businesses. Like we definitely have a lot of control in that. So I guess to wrap up this episode, I like you all to ask yourself, like, what do you believe? What are your beliefs around money? You know, like, do you believe money grows on trees or do you believe that like having too much, what is it like the, the biblical verse, like money is the root of all evil. Yeah, like what, where do you stand in that? And take a look at your belief system around money and maybe if there's a way to shift that, improve that, um, share that and get support around it because we all have it, whether it's like money is endless and on trees or money is the root of all evil and it's going to, you know, your priorities are going to shift and you're not going to be the kind of person or human you should be. Um, and let's chat about that in our community, our Facebook community for the product class. And if you want to head over there, you can check it out in our show notes. Yep. Thanks everybody. This episode was brought to you by our new mastermind program, Holiday to Halo. You get the guidance of both myself and Jacqueline as your coaches inside an amazing group of fellow product-based business owners. Starting in September, we'll be getting a head start and ramping up to make a big impact on sales for the Cyber Five, which is Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. Then on to Christmas revenue strategy. And to boost your growth into the new year, We'll be setting your business up for Halo sales into Q1. We would love for you to join us. Go to theproductsboss.com slash mastermind for more information.